Welcome to Entrench, a 21 Pilots podcast. Hello, local dreamers. Welcome to Entrench. My name is Anna, and this is episode 16, Slow Town. Make sure you listen to the song beforehand and are ready for an in-depth analysis of track four off regional at best. Yes, you heard that right. Track four, not track one. How are you doing? I am very cozy. I have my fan on. I have my heated blanket on. There are a lot of cords around, so I'm trying not to bump anything. And as an interesting aside, I'm also half deaf right now, so it makes listening to myself very strange. I just had a super awkward pause. I think it's because I've not done this for a very long time. So anyway, moving steadily along, as I am trying to do. Wow, I'm blanking. To start off, this is obviously our first track on Regional at Best. Why is it track four? Well, a lot of you probably already know, but there are five tracks on Regional at Best that are, I almost said pre-recorded, they are re-recorded on Vessel. So I will be saving those tracks for when we get to Vessel. And we can also do like a comparison of the two versions. That could be cool. So one through three were three of the five tracks that were re-recorded. I wanted to give you guys some background to this album. It's obviously album number two. And it is their second and final self-made album prior to them signing on to Fueled by Ramen. This album can actually only be found on... I could be wrong, but the main two places I know it is on are YouTube and SoundCloud. So this is a gem, and unfortunately, because it's not on the main streaming services, some people don't know about it, which is very sad because this is a very good album, and I think a lot of people agree it's very good. I also think it's really cool that this album is very, like, messy compared to all the other albums. I think it fits the album and the song content really well. And also just the fact that this is also when Josh joined the band in 2011, and it's when their bassist Nick and their drummer Chris both left the band. So Josh replaced Chris on drums, and I can only imagine the pure fear of them realizing, okay, it's only two people now. And I, like, not only were they not signed to anyone, but, I mean, basically it was just Tyler taking on a new person. Who knows how long he knew Josh before he took him on. I have no idea because they don't tell anyone how they met. (laughs) But the band is still so new. Like, it must have been terrifying to think that, I'm sure for Tyler, he knew it was something he wanted to continue with. And just that uncertainty of, can this really work from now on? Because I only have Josh now. And I don't know exactly. So if you know, let me know. But I don't know when Tyler learned all his instruments. But I feel like this album is mainly just piano and synth and electronic music. Because I don't know if he knew much else at this point, instrument-wise. But yeah, Tyler did everything. Like on Slowtown, you can look and see like 
composed by, mixed by. It's literally all Tyler. And I think that's pretty similar to the first album as well, but obviously Nick and Chris both helped in different ways. So I just think this album is the perfect epitome of beauty and uncertainty because that's exactly where this falls in 21 Pilots history. And I'm so glad that they made this album anyway, despite all of the odds that were seemingly stacked against the band at that point. So the album itself was released on July 8th, 2011, and it is a discontinued album, which is why you can't find it in any of the major streaming services. And I think also I'm assuming that has to do with the fact that once they were signed to Fuel by Ramen, they remade some of the songs. So I'm sure somehow that turned into it being discontinued, but I'm, I'm just inferring. I have no idea. So the tracks that were on this album that were re-recorded are Guns for Hands, which is track one, Holding On To You, track two, Ode To Sleep, track three, Car Radio, track five, and Trees, track 12. I love this album because it's a lot more raw, which is another great reason why it's messy. I think 21 Pilots, the album, you know, like there were some parables, some sort of like concept songs, which we see in other albums as well. But I think this album in particular is just completely raw thought. It's all coming directly from Tyler. That makes it really vulnerable. And all of these songs are very powerful because he's not trying to put a character up. It's a lot more tension-filled when it comes to his faith than the first album. Like, obviously, there were still a lot of struggles in the first album's lyrics, but I feel like this album, it definitely shows that he's in probably his lowest part of depression. Because of that, it's not hopeless, but it's a lot more really just him battling lies constantly, and I think that's really relatable, and I'm so grateful that he wrote about that for 14 tracks, because we don't hear that enough. It's just like a lot of scripture, you know, God repeats things because he knows we need to hear it, and I think whenever people are sharing their weaknesses and their doubts and their tensions, it just opens up spiritual community in a way that shallowness cannot. So going into Slow Town, I think those were all the main facts I wanted to share. I looked all this up through the Tonyo Pilots wiki fandom. The other interesting things to note are Lovely the song was released as an exclusive promotional single in Japan and featured as a bonus track on Vessel. Glowing Eyes, Kitchen Sink, and Forest were also released on the UK bonus track of Vessel. But then Slowtown, Anathema, Ruby, Be Concerned, Clear, and Two are not available anywhere. So that's interesting that they... I'm curious what the reasoning was and why those tracks were only on bonus editions for those specific countries. Dear Tyler. <laughs> that's going to be a thing now, dear Tyler. So going into Slowtown... First off, I just want to say Slowtown is one of many songs that Tyler has written where I really feel seen. So I would definitely say this may, question mark, be my favorite song regional at best. But I will get back to you once we're done with the album. This song just epitomizes my anxiety. 
just so many of the ways that I cope with things, with things being difficult and challenging. So again, it's very much more so of a messy sound compared to the self-titled album. And all of their songs on this album are that way. A lot more like garage band sounding, which makes sense because everything was made in Tyler's basement. <laughs> and I think the musicality is just very nostalgic. And I think in general, this album just has more of a nostalgic sound. But this song in particular, with there's like that tinkling noise and it, it just reminds me of like a video game. And I'm pretty sure... This was a joke, but I remember one time in an interview, Tyler said, yeah, we've been inspired by the Donkey Kong Country soundtrack. <laughs> but honestly, kind of makes sense because I feel like they've done certain things in this album that remind me of video games. But as you can hear, it's mostly just the electric keyboard and the tambourine. So just musically right off from the bat, you know it's Tyler doing everything because it's just him and then Josh on the drums, who comes in later. And he starts off just distantly singing, and I think that really sets it up well for the premise that these are kind of going to be some meandering thoughts he's having. Verse 1 says, Hey, hey, wouldn't it be great if we could just lay down and wake up in slow town? Today, I want to go away, because things are too fast now. I want to be in slow town. I think everyone can relate to this. I don't think this needs much interpretation. It's pretty straightforward, but our world is insanely fast, and I feel like as technology develops, it just keeps getting faster and more frantic and more you need to have your stuff together because things are just constantly changing. Otherwise, you're going to get left behind or you're going to be canceled or whatever like there's just this pressure to you always have to be on top of everything going on otherwise people are just a lot more like condemning now in culture as well and and there's I, I feel like especially in in the younger generations now there's just this expectation that you have to do something huge or you're worthless like you have to be a super big influencer otherwise what's the point it's just this huge, unrealistic pressure that everyone is having now of, well, my voice can only matter if I hit these certain metrics. And that is so damaging. And if that's the bar we are holding ourselves to generally as younger generations, well, no wonder we're so anxious and we're so depressed because we're literally setting a bar that is impossible to reach. And I know, having always been perfectionistic, I do that to myself constantly. Even with editing the podcasts, I probably take way too long, way too many hours editing because I'm obsessed with it has to be perfect. Um, but what does that even mean? And furthermore, this song itself is just so musically imperfect and that's why it's great. You know, like talk about don't trust a song that's flawless, cute blurry face, but... Like, it's true. There's so much beauty when people are just openly messy and openly frank that they don't have it together and that they don't have to be whatever it is culture is striving for in order to be content. That is just so reminiscent of what Jesus calls us to. At my church recently, I forget who, but someone was talking about how, I forget where they pulled this from, but they were saying, 
Jesus goes at three miles per hour. And so we always think like, oh, I have to catch up to God. But in reality, it's like, actually, no, we've, we've flown past him and we need to go backwards now. I think that's really accurate. And I think it's also proof that we do desire to be in slow town because we were designed to be in slow town. But our world is broken, which makes sense that it would be doing the complete opposite of what our souls actually need. And because of that, it makes sense that so many people have anxiety because we were literally not designed to be doing 50 trillion things. And nowadays, it's even worse with technology because we were not designed to, number one, absorb this much information on a daily basis. And number two, we were not designed to absorb this many voices on a daily basis. I'm constantly reminded by this when I hang out with my parents because they will not have their phones on them every second. They will not even feel the need to check their phones. And they will spend two hours listening to a radio show. And that is their Friday night. And I just think that's beautiful. That's the type of pace that we were made for and that's the type of pace that really satisfies our souls and even thinking about times when I have had my best time with God it's always been whether I'm reading scripture or I'm in nature or I'm engaging with art with God I always connect the most when I'm slowing down and you know you always have those those off days where you're just trying to rush through or you're unfortunately making it more of a checkbox to like do quiet time or whatever it is but we know what really fills us up and it's not rushing through things i just think that's that's such a beautiful thing that the spirit has given us is just knowing when we're pushing ourselves in ways that we're not supposed to be and when we are going at a pace that god has called us to and feeling that fulfillment of going at that slower pace is really beautiful. So then we go into the chorus and he says, I put my socks on my feet just so that my soul won't fall through my toes. And I walk through my door just so I don't fall through the floor. Now, I honestly just think we're getting into anxiety and, it's, and the song is ramping up and it's getting more frantic and we're getting more into a panic. So I put my socks on my feet, okay? I'm starting to panic. So we should probably do something that's easy and that is grounding us in something that's not our brain. I think the thing about anxiety, or if you don't have anxiety, like the thing about worry is that it just puts us so inward that we just become obsessed and wallow in it and the real solution is always just to start looking outward like I never find contentment in the midst of panic by continuing to look inward it's only by looking outward by either focusing on someone else or by doing a task or by putting my mind on my physical surroundings that I really start to slow the panic and also just remind myself that things are not as life-threatening as my brain is telling me they are. We do these, these practical easy things 
so that our sole won't fall through our toes. And really, this is like, okay, I'm doing this thing because my thoughts are starting to race and they're starting to be untamed. So if I just like put my sock on, we'll be okay, right? I hope so. And then after that, walking through the door, okay, so we're going to start moving now because if we stop moving, if we stop focusing on what the next step is, we are going to get overwhelmed and just stop moving altogether. We will just fall through the floor if we don't start walking. And Satan wants us there. He wants us trapped into just feeling overwhelmed. It's like when you're running. I have not ran in a while, but like you just get to that point in your run where you're getting really tired and you're kind of feeling like jelly, but you only have like half a mile to go. So you keep going because if you stopped to walk even for a second, you know you would just, you would not start running again. <laughs> like, you know. And I think a lot of times in our faith, it's the same thing where we know when we're getting weary, we know when we're getting flooded with lies, we know that if we don't go to prayer, if we don't go to scripture, if we don't bring ourselves near to God, we are just going to be immobilized in complete lies and turmoil. And even in that way, there's always like that struggle of if I don't do this right now, I don't know, I just feel like the spirit tends to just give us those hunches as well of like, okay, I know I might not want right now, but I should do this thing because if I don't do this thing, I'm going to keep spiraling and it's going to get even worse and Satan's going to make me even more vulnerable even though my flesh really wants to like do something that's not helpful. I hope that made sense. I feel like I'm just rambling now, <laughs> but the tone of the song is getting very frantic at this point. The yelling has started. We are rushed and terrified, but then it calms down again for verse two. So we just kind of like had an anxiety attack for a second, but now, okay, back up for a second. We're going to find some calm again in my favorite coping mechanism, nostalgia. So verse two says, I remember when my brother and other kids from neighboring houses would get together. I'd ride my bike and my brother would ride his, put cards in our spokes and make our engines sound like traffic. When using Pokemon cards, please do not use the holographics. So bold and fearless in the risks we'd take, laugh in the face of gravity as its laws we'd break on trampolines so high we'd reach for the sky, but I do not look up anymore and I don't know why. So when in doubt, nostalgia is my friend and I'm thankful to know that I'm not alone in that. When everything just starts getting too much, I retreat back into things that I know have always brought me comfort. And I love how it talks about him and his brother riding their, their bikes and putting cars in their spokes to make their engines sound like traffic. I have always been a very imaginative person, but I was the most imaginative when I was a kid. And my favorite thing that I would do with my neighbors, my best friend, Nathan. He was my best friend from when I was five until I was like 
13. And then me and his younger sister, Kate, were still friends for, like, good friends for, like, a few years after that. Like, I remember Nathan, Nathan was three years younger than me, and I think Kate was two years younger than Nathan. So I remember at one point, I was, we always loved to do sleepovers, obviously, because that's what you do with your best friends. And I remember going over to their house for a sleepover, and my parents were, like, debating if I should because I don't remember if it was my mom or my dad, but someone was like, are you sure she should be going over there? Like, she's a teenager and and Kate's a kid. (laughs) But, like, they decided, like, no, like, they're good friends. Why are we complaining? Like, they obviously love each other. They're basically siblings. They basically were my younger siblings. And I think there's a lot worse problems teenagers could have. And then there's, like, like there's me over here hanging out with children. Like, I don't think that's really a problem here, you know? A lot of other teenagers are doing very different things. And that was me when I was, like, 13 to 15. My best friends were children. <laughs> anyway, that tangent aside, we would always do this thing because they had a swing set. They, okay, this is cute. They used to have a two-person swing set. But then Kate was born, and me and Nathan were best friends at that point. So they got rid of the other swing set, and they built a three-person swing set because I was always over at their house. And our favorite thing to do, well, two favorite things. One of them, we would swing, and it was right under this big tree, and we would grab the leaves either with our feet or our hands. I wrote a short story about this because I love it so much. We would pretend it was money. And then the other huge thing that I loved to do is we always played imaginary games. And one of our favorite things was swinging on the swings and pretending we were on airplanes and we would fly somewhere and it would be like, we'd be commenting like, oh, I'm gonna, like, grab a cookie in my plane, and, like, we'd be traveling somewhere, and we would get a map, and we would land and get off the swings, and then we would have, like, secret missions to complete, and I don't even remember what the missions were, but we would spend hours doing that, and during the summer, it would literally be, like, Nathan and Kate always came over, and they would knock on my door, or they'd even, like, just go up to our front window when it was cracked open in the summer and they'd yell my name (laughs) and then I would go over and that was probably at like 10 in the morning they would just come over and yell for me and then I would be over there until I'm not even kidding like at least eight o'clock we would be outside like all day those were the days anyway you probably didn't need to know all that but that was a really fun fun journey for me to be nostalgic But I love that, you know, when we need to be grounded, we go back to times where we know we felt really safe and we felt really secure in just the imagination that we had as kids. Because in that way, it's also like in the midst of panic, our attempt at trying to find control really by just like honestly disassociating, which is not necessarily the healthiest thing to do, I'll admit. But, you know, it grounds you. So, I also like the fact that they bring up Pokemon cards, and specifically they say, please do not use the holographics. It is just 
such a pure, great example of how when we were innocent and children, we were possessive about guarding our possessions or just like more like shallow things like that was our main focus was that was our main concern was like I cherish this thing please don't do anything to it like I remember Nathan got super upset because he was bringing one of his video games over to my house and he accidentally scratched it and he started sobbing because he thought his dad was going to be so mad. In reality, it was one little scratch. Everything was fine and it didn't matter. But like, as kids, like that, those are the types of things that we get up in arms about. And it's just such an interesting, innocent parallel to how once we grow up and are out of that, we then the biggest thing that we are trying to guard is our heart and just the the gravity of that parallel and I think that goes on when he says so bold and fearless in the risks we'd take laugh in the face of gravity as its laws we'd break on trampolines so high we'd reach for the sky and like as children we literally did not care if we like severely hurt ourselves like physical issues no like we had no limits we were completely fearless we got the wind knocked out of us all the time (laughs) you know I know for me I was constantly barefoot I constantly step in you know either dog poop or I always there were always so many pine trees around I would always be stepping on pine needles and having them like pierce my feet but I never cared like I feel like now that's like almost as bad as a lego but I had that happen to me a dozen times a day and I did not care and it's just this pure courage and faith and just not being limited by reality truly believing that anything can happen believing that our bodies don't have limitations believing that our minds don't have limitations believing that nothing can truly hurt us before the sad reality of growing up happens the last line is super interesting to me, but I do not look up anymore, and I don't know why. Looking up, I associate with God just automatically, and I don't think it means he doesn't believe, although I guess you could interpret it that way, but I don't think that's the case because he clearly goes on in the album and in other places and is very much still believing in God. I see it more as not so much a focusing on not looking up but the focus is more on the fact that he's looking down and I think again that just shows the the reality is crashing in and spiritually with the reality is crashing in we start looking down more often because we are crowded by guilt and shame and the gravity of of our sins just pulls us down especially I would argue the more we walk in faith the more we walk with God the more we see the gravity of what we struggle with, how frequently we struggle with it, how incredibly far we are from God's perfection, and how incredibly far we are from any goodness we thought we had, because any goodness that we thought we had is only because of God, and just realizing how broken in our flesh we ultimately are. And so, naturally, that gravity, and literally gravity, causes us to go downward and but I think it's interesting he says I don't know why because I I think it's that denial and we're already in a very 
avoidance, a, a place of avoidance. So it makes sense that he would be denying and avoiding basically the realities of what he's actually struggling with and why, especially in the midst of panic, because the last thing you want to do when you're freaked out and vulnerable is remember that, you know, you should feel burdened by sin. I mean, you shouldn't feel burdened by it, but I mean, sin and lies are burdensome, so it's kind of inevitable to feel the burden. But also, the biggest burden in this song is pace, and unfortunately, very sadly, we cannot spend our days outside for like 15 hours <laughs> anymore. Very sad. But generally, on average, uh, we have a lot of responsibilities, so going back to the bridge, we are starting to crash into nervousness and anxiety again. I love the bridge because it really just musically defines being spun and spun around and frustrated and confused and panicked and just the inability to stop everything. It starts off with just this repetition of the word slow that's fairly calm in tone and I think this is again still the denial stage of panic and what's actually happening in his brain then he starts going into we're going too fast fast save us can i get an amen though <laughs> at that point it's like okay we've now accepted that we are going too fast and this is concerning and frustrating and anxiety inducing and then at the end he brings it home with the screaming that is like not only is it the loudest part but it's really symbolic of grief at that point of not just accepting that we're going too fast, but grieving that we are forced to go too fast when we were not made to go that fast. The reprise then goes back into I walk through my door and there's echoes of we're going too fast, fast, save us in the background as he's saying this. It's kind of trying to steady himself over panic and it's back to that practicality of okay, just like keep walking just focus on the next thing and then the next thing so that you don't just lose your mind. But I feel like it's a lot more weak than before and I think because after just the acceptance of grief and grief of what's actually happening and the fact that we're not in slow town and the, the unbearability of that, I see this reprise as much more of a repetition of what he's been instructed. I've been told, okay, just focus on the next thing. Like, it's, it's apparent that he, his true thoughts, as they echo in the background, are like, we're going too fast. But he's just, like, repeating this thing because he's probably been told, like, whether by a therapist or loved ones, like, this is how you get through it. Uh, but he, he doesn't really seem to believe it because he's still really feeling in the back of his mind that, no, we're, we're still going too fast. But I know that you told me that's doing this and saying this would be helpful, so I'm saying it again, even if I don't think it's successful um, in the midst of panic. And then the outro is back to the beginning plea and inquiry of, wouldn't it be great if we could just lay down and wake up in slow town? This outro is essentially just exhaustion, which is so relatable. Like, after all is said and done, like, yeah, I know what I'm supposed to do to cope, but that doesn't stop me from being exhausted. <laughs> I think that's really powerful because it's, it's very accurate. 
I think the song as a whole is very accurate and I am very grateful it exists because it just says so much that about my mind that I have never been able to put into words. Just that question of like, hey, do you guys see this too? Do you feel this too? Like, are you overwhelmed too? Because this, the way we're living is crazy. So all that being said, I would like you to let me know either on the Entrenched Podcast Facebook group or on Instagram, what is your favorite nostalgic memory? That is like a time when you were just in your prime, enjoying life. You know, what's something that you look back on and and feel like represents the pace that we were designed to go and why? I would love to hear your responses. Now, I would love to share with you a sweet friend's story. This is from Kai and he sent me the sweetest emails Thank you, Kai. I loved reading your words, and I would love to share your story right now. So Kai said, when I was in eighth grade, I was hanging out with a friend. He was taking me back to his house so my mom could pick us up, and he started playing House of Gold. The song almost made me cry the first time I heard it. I was intrigued. I downloaded it on Spotify and just went about the rest of my day. A few days later, I decided to listen to their other songs. I listened to Heathens, Ride, and Stressed Out. I had heard all these songs before, but I never realized who they were by. I started to listen to more and more songs, avoiding car radio the entire time because the name made it sound kind of, well, dumb. (laughs) That's funny. I was bored one school day and I accidentally started playing it and instantly fell in love. That was one of the songs that was very powerful to me too, and I think a lot of people, so... I definitely resonate with that. Since then, I've listened to all their songs numerous times and I intend to do it again. Well, of course, wholeheartedly agree. (laughs) Car radio was a gateway drug to their deeper songs. After car radio, I listened to Trench and the rest of Vessel. A few months ago, I listened to the self-titled album for the first time and it blew my mind. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And I just want to encourage you that that is a great story everyone's story is great and there is no formula for what makes a great story just like there's no formula for what makes a great testimony i am so grateful that you were able to really dig into tony and pilots and i love that you love slowtown i'm so happy that i got to feature your story on slowtown because it, it it means a lot to you and it means a lot to me so thank you so much as always to everyone else i want to hear from you and kai if you ever want to email i love hearing from anyone even if you've emailed before even if you've emailed multiple times i always want to hear from you you can email entrenchpodcast at gmail.com with a written account of your 21 pilot story or your favorite memories you have related to the band you can also reach out with an episode request if you want to analyze a song video or album with me many songs are still available And if you'd like to contribute to the analysis we've already covered, you can join the podcast Facebook group by searching Entrench Podcast Group. You can find Entrench on Podbean, Verbal, Spotify, Apple Music, and Amazon Music. On Instagram, you can find me at Entrench underscore pod. I look forward to hearing from you. Tune in next time for Forest.
Thank you so much for listening, friends. Stay alive and remember, entrench, you're not alone.